Boop, 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 doot, 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 doing my vocal warm-ups. <sighs> it's almost August. It is. Um, I'm going to go out on the boat tomorrow. Nice. Maybe I can save some of this for after the intro. I didn't really have like a question this week to do like the pre theme song to get some pre theme song conversation in. So I think this is going to be it. Well, have you have you had any uh, fun like Blu-ray or DVD purchases recently? Uh, Insidious two and three. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Screaming Room, the only horror movie podcast, the only podcast brave enough to talk about horror movies and record it. How are you doing today, Ralph? I'm doing great. I'm still really jazzed about seeing Talk To Me last week. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great kind of segue here, because this that, that just came out yesterday. I think I'm going to go see it again. It looks like on Friday it made like... Four million or something like that. Nice. So I think it's going to be, I mean, it's probably going to have like a 12 to 15 million weekend, which is pretty huge for that movie. So yeah. that's great. That's great to hear. What have you been up to the last week? What have you been doing? I've been pet sitting for about three weeks now. There were, it was two different jobs. Yeah, so there's one week up. and then almost a, a whole two weeks. So I'm finally back at my place again. I know that that helped you get in a whole bunch of movies. Yeah, I watched a bunch of movies, watched a bunch of shows. Which would be great, because I didn't watch, like, like anything <laughs> <laughs> this last week. Well, let's go into it. Um, what did you watch this last week while you were pet sitting? I watched this documentary on HBO called The Stroll. The Stroll. Yeah. I don't have any idea what this is. It's about trans sex workers in New York City in the 80s and 90s, sort of before a lot of New York City became really gentrified. Oh, interesting. It's it's really fascinating. It's 
of course, heartbreaking in so many ways, but it's also very, very joyful and, uh, yeah, celebratory. And it's nice to see these sort of stories being told from the people that actually experienced it. It's made by trans people and nice. Yeah. You said that's HBO. I believe so. HBO, HBO max. One of those max, just max. It's just max, please. (laughs) What else? Uh, I watched this movie with Megan Fox in it called till death. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know this one either. I know Um, Megan Fox is. It's it wasn't bad, but it's basically Gerald's game, except there's more of a game to it than the sort of sex game, I guess, that's <laughs> happening in Gerald's game. I've never been like even in Gerald's game, like there's there's not really a game in it. It's kind of just like Gerald's kink. Yeah, called it yeah, Gerald's kink. Yeah, which is uh, putting a woman in handcuffs and then dying of and a heart dying attack. on top of her. <laughs> Yeah, so she, Megan Fox's character, wakes up to find her dead husband chained to her, and she has the most placid sort of response to discovering that her husband is dead. It's just very, uh, <laughs> like, oh no, this like, again. oh god. It's Wait, kind what's of it called again? till death. Got it. That's funny because she's also listed as being uh, part of Tell Death Do Us Part, Courtney oh. and Travis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that foursome of people. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it wasn't bad, but her acting is a little flat. She's, it's, I, no disrespect, uh, she is not a very good actress. No. I thought she was pretty decent in Jennifer's body. Yeah, she's, she's got the right Karen Kusuma, the right? Directing yeah, that one. Karen Kusama. Yeah. Kusama, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, this one I don't know who the director was. I have no idea what else they've done. It was sort of a lot for her to carry because there's a good chunk of it that's just her <laughs> dragging her dead husband's body around the house trying to figure out how to get out. This there's a lot of wild. It's pretty fun. It just there's a lot of really predictable stuff like there's a moment where she's gifted before the husband dies. The husband gives her this necklace for their 11th anniversary, which I guess is uh, the steel. Ne- the necklace anniversary. So yes, she steel. he gives her a steel, steel necklace. And I'm like, oh, that's going to come into play later. And it does. And then there's, of course, a moment with a gun where a gun goes sliding under a bed. And I'm like, well, someone's going to find that later. Yeah, and they do. <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty fun. It was pretty decent. It's got some, you know, fun moments. There's some of the aspect of, her how long she ends up dragging her husband around i'm like couldn't you have just broken his hand by now and slipped the handcuff yeah. off but whatever yeah rip like yeah break his thumb off or yeah whatever. exactly yeah exactly come on mutilate this corpse so <laughs> yeah dummy yeah what else uh let's see i i remember you telling me about a couple that you watched will you remind me because i honestly scary movie remember. oh yes of course did I, you do one two and three no i just did two and three because i think i did watch scary movie this year, for sure. And I've seen that one, I think, the most. Um, two and three are so much fun. The <laughs> second a one... a lot of good stuff. Yeah. The second one's got that excellent Nike dribbling commercial parody. <laughs> right. It's just yeah. so fun. That commercial was so huge. The third one is where the Wayans brothers are no longer a part of it. Right. But they bring in the... Um, the director of Airplane. Yes. Yeah. So it's got a lot of that really fun 
goofball gags. It, that one feels like almost tighter than the other two. Like it's it is it's it really is. rapid fire with like the, the mm-hmm. gags. Like, it's got this just excellent joke with the sheriff's hat getting bigger and bigger. Yep. Every scene that you, every shot that you see you're in in this one scene. There's this hilarious vase gag that's sort of the oh, Matrix the, kind of right. joke where I, Cindy walks in to greet Queen Latifah, who's the oracle. And Queen Latifah says, don't worry about that vase. And, you know, Cindy's like, oh, oops, what, what vase? Oh, oops. And then she backs into another thing and an even bigger vase, vase falls, falls on her head. Out and of she, frame. she just it's hits so the ground. Good. It's great. But yeah, I think I'm going to try and do all of them at some they, point. They get pretty dodgy. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've, I, those were ones that when I was thrifting, like at the beginning of like things kind of opening up from lockdown, I would like, I got the entire series eventually. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. Back when everyone was like dumping their shit at yep, secondhand yep. stores because they're tired of it taking up space in their apartments. Now it takes up space in my apartment. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Uh, Anything else? I think that's kind of it. I've I've been watching just random kind of shows here and there to fill in the the dead silence. Well, <laughs> I do know uh, there is one more that I sent to you that's a short film. Oh yeah, uh, it's called Possibly in Michigan. Yeah. Will you? Do you know where where the origin of this? What it? Uh, a little it to bit. Me. So this is directed by a woman named Cecilia Condit. It was funded by a, an arts grant from the state's like arts fund however that works and cecilia condit like is a pretty early like video artist like right when like handheld like video technology was coming out you can clearly tell that's what this is shot on oh yeah so possibly in michigan is a 12 minute short film if you have not seen it you should look it up it's could you put the link somewhere in the yes in the i episode, will put, maybe? put the link in the show notes that's the sound of my my pen so it's free on youtube and cecilia condit like like she's actually kind of a big deal given how weird this movie is so it's a 12 minute short like i said it's a horror musical that's about two women who are obsessed with violence who are being stalked by a man in a suit in a very creepy mask who ultimately breaks into the home that they apparently share and he's also a cannibal and they end up uh, killing him and disposing of his bones uh, in the trash. It's, it's oh my god! It's, it's so much fun. It's so freaky and weird, and just you can tell how like fresh of a medium that is of that sort of handheld, absolutely do-it-yourself kind of video camera. And she like is a uh, at, I believe at the University of Michigan. I might have to double check this. She was like the the head of their film department and an instructor. Great. And she's that's what her job was like from the 60s on up, up until I think not that long ago. Uh, David Lynch even took one of her classes at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fascinating. Um, and also, I, I was surprised when I pulled this up on YouTube. I had, I had heard about this before from uh, the blog uh, Bleeding Skull. Oh, yeah. And they, they mostly only review, like, shot on video SOV stuff. And this is a favorite of theirs. So uh, I, I was happy to finally see it. But I was surprised on their YouTube page that it has, like, like half a million thumbs up or something like that. Like, wow. It's like it's got a ton of eyeballs on it, which is Damn. which I was so confused by. Yeah. Until I read a New York Times 
article about her and apparently possibly in Michigan became like a viral TikTok thing in 2015. Oh no shit. Yeah, so there's like videos of like just Gen Zers mm-hmm. like like lip syncing like to the audio track. Wow. Of this. Wow. So, like, it like blew up. It got huge. Damn. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So another reason to check it out and it's uh it's totally fucking bizarre. Oh yeah. It's great. Oh, yeah. It's so much fun. <laughs> It'll only take 12 minutes of your time, so... Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, so some news items. Should we get into the news? Oh, do we want to do a shout-out? Did we want to shout-out Jackie and Blair? Yeah. Shout-out... Before out. we get any further? Yeah. Let's give a shout-out at the top of the show to Jackie and Blair in Wenatchee, who helped fund a purchase of a new microphone and a new set of headphones. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, it's helping out a lot. Much appreciated. Yeah. So, news items. Uh, I think kind of the... I didn't have too much this week. I already... I wanted to mention that Talk To Me is doing really well this weekend, it sounds like, which we already talked about, which is great. Uh, Also, there's a trailer out for a hotly anticipated film, David Gordon Green's new exorcist movie the exorcist colon believer which i believe i corrected you on the title last week and i think i was wrong i'll have to go back and oh whatever there was (laughs) one of us added or didn't have a the yeah the definite article was the believer yeah in front of the wrong word right right so like we mentioned last week like the buzz about this is uh in the toilet like yeah the test screenings were a disaster like people like they they straight up hated it. They hated it. Ugh. Which, like, we talked about it a little bit, too. Like, the response to his Halloween movies was, like, very polarized. We both like them a lot. I, mm-hmm. I like the oh, take yeah. that they had on yeah. it. So I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe this is just kind of the same thing coming out of these test screenings. And I don't know exactly how you felt about this trailer, but I was like, uh-oh, this looks bad. I... I saw some things in it that I was interested in, but there was also some stuff in there that just felt like a lot of recycled shit that we've seen. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical. I, part of me is like, well, you know, maybe the trailer, the trailer isn't always the best representation of a movie. Like sometimes yeah, the way I'm, they I'm edit them. They're holding back some stuff. Yeah. Too, Cause, but there's also looked bad. The, then this, talk of the screenings that people have gone to and them not liking it. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm a believer, <laughs> but I'm skeptical. <laughs> the exorcist believer, believer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's something to be said for lowering expectations that may be beneficial to the first time I go see this movie. Right. Like, I want to have fun with it at the very least. I'm going to try to go the opening weekend. I yeah. don't, it, I have to know. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially like, I mean, my expectations are also kind of set by the last few entries in this franchise, which like the beginning and Dominion, which is weirdly a Paul Schrader movie. Which, oh, yeah. Oh. I had been meaning to watch more of his movies. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, out again. yeah, he's a brilliant writer and director. Uh, also a bit of like a crank on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, those were both not good. 
neither of those were very good. I thought. Yeah. Um, I think there are some defenders of both, but I think that's kind of an unusual stance. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So I'm expecting kind of a continuation of that. This time, instead of uh, one possessed girl, it's two possessed girls. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I guess. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. I'm excited to see. Beginning of a trilogy. Yeah. Ellen Burstyn. Yeah. Yeah. I would guess that she's not going to be in the next two. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Uh, There's another trailer this week, which I am really excited about. Jinji Ito's uh, manga, Uzumaki, is getting an animated adaptation on Adult Swim. And it looks fucking sick, dude. I am so excited to see this. That sounds, yeah, really, really exciting. Because if you haven't read it, and, I, and you have not read that one yet. No. At some point, you'll get to it. It's a pretty quick read for ha- for it being like a thick book yeah, that's I've like seen 700 it pages It's long. a little intimidating, but then I remember it's like, oh, it's it goes a good quick. graphic novel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the story is really wild. Um, in short, it's about a, a, a small, like, I think they're a fishing town uh, where the residents start, let's say exhibiting erratic behavior as people become obsessed with the shape of the spiral. Oh, yes. This is very familiar. I remember you telling me about this. It's got some really iconic images in it. And it's so, it's like kind of a supernatural, almost body horror type thing. Yeah. And there is a live action adaptation of it, which I've seen clips of. I haven't seen the whole movie. It seems impossible possible to to do is live action yeah <laughs> kind of like yeah. what we were talking about with perfect blue where there's yeah. so many images in that perfect like blue and i oh i actually did i don't know if i talked about it last week but i did watch ghost in the shell oh you and did that's right not not the not the live action one the the original the proper one and i've seen a lot of side-by-side comparisons of some of the beautiful gorgeous shots in that original movie mm-hmm. and what they did with it in the live action it just Oh, it's it's, right. it's heartbreaking. My, look what they've done to my boy. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Bad Marlon Brando. There. They're, they're, no, that was great. <laughs> they're just like things you can't you can't do. You can't translate to live action without kind of like losing the impact that those original images. Yeah. Have. Yeah. Like, it's true of Uzumaki, and it's definitely true of Ghost in the Shell, especially like that iconic shot of her like oh. falling off the building. It's falling just off like, the building or like burst bursting out of the suit oh Oh, absolutely fuck it's so fucking sick gives me goosebumps the other news about jinji ito while we're talking about uzumaki all of his work is very like surreal and kind of macabre and Mm -hmm. grotesque grotesque is a great way of saying it i saw a really fun photo of him standing in one of the the pink Barbie boxes at a screening of Barbie that he just went to fun (laughs) (laughs) he seems like he's having a great time and that's that'll be great. a good transition to like the last thing I wanted to talk about here. And then we're going to stop talking about Barbie, I think, after this week. Until oh, yeah. you see it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hilariously, and perhaps predictably, uh, Mattel is now... There's now a Mattel-verse. The, there's a new MCU. <laughs> <laughs> the Mattel Cinematic Mattel. Universe. Because they are now... like They've put like over, it looks like, a dozen of their properties into like film production mode. One of the funniest ones is that they're doing a Polly pocket movie directed by Lena Dunham. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Someone on Twitter was saying like Polly Pocket directed by like by Lena Dunham is like mom saying like tiny furniture. Yeah. Oh God, please don't. It's like but it's it's she's doing it again. <laughs> even tinier. It's furniture. even tinier. It's like your mom saying like you don't need Greta Gerwig's Barbie. We have Lena Dunham's Polly Pocket at home. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can we have Barbie? Barbie at home. Lena Dunham's Polly Pocket. Yeah. So that includes like Uno. J.J. Abrams is doing a Hot Wheels movie. People have been talking about the Magic 8-Ball one that's in production. They're like, it better be a horror movie, which, fine. Yeah. Yeah. What's the other big one? Oh, I think they own Barney as oh, well. Oh, yeah, that's pretty, not really far into production, but I've seen they have, like, it casted somewhat. And yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, a like, meta, dark, like, A24-style yeah. take on Barney, which... What was that? Absolutely deranged. There was that movie with Edward Norton, I believe. Uh, Death, oh, to Death to Smoochie. Death to Smoochie. Sort was of a, talking to me about that the other day. I've still not seen it. Yeah, children's show character that's a dinosaur, and there's it's like a dark black comedy. It's already a dark spin on Barney. Yeah, yeah. God, people hated that movie when it came out. I that's what I remember at least. I, yeah, yeah. Well, it's got its defenders. Well, you were also talking about that maybe this Mattelverse will bring Ridley Scott's Monopoly back yeah. on the map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Like, that was years ago that that rumor was going around and people were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right, <laughs> like, why, right? why would you, what, what would you do with this? Yeah, I mean, maybe they're they're just so hopeful that they would have the success of Clue or, I mean, even Ouija. The, yeah, the Ouija movies. Mil- the Milton Bradley yeah, verse. Yeah, it's, uh, it's such a crapshoot, though. If they do, I mean, they're going to do Polly Pocket, but I, I wonder if they're going to do Mighty Max. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah, I had one Me of those. Me too. Yeah. I had the snake one. I think I had either that one or the skull one. One of my cousins had one. I can't remember which. Anyway. They were sick as hell. Yeah, I loved those. Really I, was, cool. I was always losing the tiny little pieces. Oh, yeah. Myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, they should make, like... A thirteen thirteen dead end drive adaptation. I make make <laughs> Jenga the movie. I that's what I was wondering. I'm like they're too they're too afraid to make Jenga the movie because it's going to remind too many people. Nine eleven. Nine eleven. Yeah. Operation. I mean that's Saw, right? I guess <laughs> not really. You've got water on the knee. <laughs> You've got to get the water the out of your knees. Here is a hammer bread basket. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we got to get through these Insidious movies so we can start rewatching the Saw films. Yeah. Oh, Maybe yeah. we'll do that for the show. That would be fun. If we go through all of them in a month before, well, I guess it's coming out at the end of September. So mm-hmm. we could do like two a week and get through nine of them. I think we could. It's going to be great ending on like just the worst one in the <laughs> franchise by like a mile. Spiral. Yeah. Speaking of spirals. <laughs> Perfect. We brought it yeah. back around. Now we're hosting a podcast. Damn it. <laughs> Speaking of hosting a podcast, <laughs> we watched two movies this week. We are continuing our rewatch of the Insidious franchise. And today we're going to be talking about Insidious chapters two and three. Roll that first trailer. gonna be at grandma's house for a little bit. If I belong, I 
nothing's gonna bother us. Not anymore. We have our son back. We are a family again. in the hallway. Is there something wrong with Daddy, Mom? Whatever it was that was haunting my family, it's not done with us. place to get our son back and something evil followed me get out of my head there's someone standing in front of you he's talking to you what's he saying he's got your baby 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 Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So, Insidious Chapter 2 came out on Friday the 13th, 2013. So it's been, in well, that was in September. So it's been just about 10 years. We're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of Insidious Chapter 2. Oh, that's wild because my top surgery date was September 13th, 2019. It was oh. a Friday the 13th. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. You're probably haunted oh we'll get to that (laughs) (laughs) okay so where we left off uh at the end of insidious chapter one the lambert family uh thought they had completely exercised the demon from haunting their son dalton we end the film with lynn shay's character elise the psychic medium who uh, despite getting strangled to death at the end of that movie, is the star of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the realization that uh, Renee uh, thinks her husband is possessed by the woman in black. Yes. So part two kicks off at the Lambert house in 1986. We've got a young Josh Lambert, who is Patrick Wilson's character, mm-hmm. meeting Elise for the first time. I <laughs> I liked this setup a lot. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really funny that the, I think the young Elise actress is dubbed by. Oh, it is. 100%. The dubbing is Lynch really Shay. funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I made a note of it. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little dodgy, but it's great. So it's cute. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is kind of picking up with the, the, the story thread that like, Josh uh, had always been haunted by this, followed by this demon that's trying to take over his body and return to life. 
And that curse kind of passed on to his son, Dalton. Yeah. So Josh is put in a trance, basically. So Elise can track down this evil spirit. They play a game called Hot and Cold, which is like, (laughs) it felt like a precursor to the clapping game. Oh, absolutely. In The Conjuring, where Mm -hmm. she's got to go around the house with the radio doing hotter, colder. Yeah. uh, Until she finds the demon that scratches her arm up in uh, one of James Wan's favorite locations, which is like a wardrobe. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I think every single one of his movies has someone like spookily reaching between clothes in a wardrobe. Oh, yeah. It's even in chapter three. Yeah. 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 So she says at the end of that, something we already knew, that they're going to repress his memory which is apparently something that she can do uh (laughs) so he forgets that he has this ability to like astral project to Mm -hmm. the realm called the further where the dead sort of just hang out or like sit around yeah it's like it looks like our world but it's blue and it's very (laughs) dusty dusty very dark quick hits here on the facts so that the the first movie chapter one made for a million bucks made over a hundred million bucks which I'm still surprised by that because these movies do look cheap. Yeah, they it looks really do. Like there's not a lot that's put into these sets and product. I mean, like it's it's enough to absolutely. But yeah, with that kind of budget, yeah, they had like a real broad appeal, which I kind of forget that like this franchise was a breakout like hit. It's not just horror people that are into them. Yeah, I mean, are these all PG thirteen? Yeah. Which yeah, is crazy. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. It's it's so hard to do that. And like no one does it better than James Wan. So just a couple of numbers on this one. This one had a budget of five million. Do you want to guess the box office? Two hundred and fifty million. Good guess, actually. It's hundred and sixty one. Okay. So it's cool. so it is like it's significantly higher oh, yeah. than part one, which I was also surprised about. So uh, as of 2021, James Wan is the 19th highest grossing director of all time. Wow. That's pretty God impressive. Damn. Yeah. yeah. It's something like $4 billion or around there. Wow. Like, I mean, it's probably gone up since, well, I guess Aquaman probably came out around then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which he's got another one of those in the tank. So that number's, he, he's only going to go up climbing. those strings. This is also the last one that he would direct. Yeah. And it's also one of the lowest rated ones on Rotten Tomatoes with a 39%. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you how do you feel like this this compares to part 1 cuz it's a, it's a little bit bigger in scope all around. It looks a little bit little bit better. Mhm. Something I noticed across these first 3 is like each movie the color gets a little bit more saturation yeah which is nice because it's way too desaturated (laughs) in the first one it looks so (laughs) shitty uh how'd you like this compared to the first one i liked it i i definitely liked the first one more there was just too much kind of going on in this one i did really like them incorporating this time travel element of josh being able to astral project into the past yeah because they did a yeah, they do a fun thing with where you discover this scene that we had seen in the first one in Insidious when I think uh Renee is being sort of tormented in the house, you realize that it is actually Josh in the further from the future fighting this ghost that is in there and sort of causing a lot of these 
bumps and noises. Yeah. To so so part of uh, kind of the the universe of Insidious is that the dead that have nefarious intent are trying to return to life by basically swapping places with the spirits of the living and trapping their souls in the further and taking over their bodies, which is like yeah a gradual process. Mm-hmm. I think kind of one of the things in part three, which we'll get to, is uh, Elise says something like, uh, the spirit has taken half of her soul. <laughs> yeah. It's like, half? Half? Why did it only take half? <laughs> like, how do you know it's that much? It's like, can you take 30% of a yeah. soul? What's, what's, what's your tool of measurement for that? Yeah, exactly. So Josh, we realize, has been followed throughout his life uh, since he was a young boy uh, by this spirit, and it's still pursuing him in part two here. Mm-hmm. And for much of this film, Josh is basically fully trapped in the further as the uh, woman in black uh, has possessed his body. Yeah. So we get this kind of cool sequence where another psychic medium uh, travels with him into the further, and we get that sequence you were just talking about where he goes, projects back in time Mm -hmm. to the first movie, and he's the one that was like pounding at the door or setting off the alarm or something Mm -hmm. like that because he's trying to warn them. Yeah. And from a filmmaking perspective, I, th- I thought that was really fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and from a, f- a filmmaking perspective, it gives you this really economic advantage, economical advantage, where you can reuse your very good scares from the first movie. Absolutely. Just, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's because they do use one of the best ones in the movie where Renee goes to check on their their infant child and there's that ghost standing over the crib. Ooh, yeah. And you just see it through the like lacy kind of yeah whatever canopy that's over the It's genuinely chilling. Oh yeah. It's it's one of the best moments of that movie. Yeah. And so we get to go through that sequence again, but from the further mm-hmm, perspective. Mm-hmm. So like we were saying earlier, uh Elise dies at the end of the first one. So this is where they get to bring Lin Shay back as Elise in when they're when they're doing this astral projection into the past because we see that she waves her lantern at this ghost and the reason she the reason the ghost went away is because she waves the lantern in his face and says go to hell and then he like <laughs> flies out the window yeah. like, and it shatters it's pretty yeah. funny <laughs> yeah Elise is able to come into the further as someone who has passed on now and be there and she's sort of a guide and she's helping out Josh and everybody else. Josh and Carl. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I love in all of these movies kind of how uh, uncomplicated it is to like astral project or like call a ghost or banish one to hell. Like saying go to hell is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> And it's basically like when they're when they're like conducting the seances in this. It's basically them saying like, "Hey, uh, I'm looking for Lilith. Is is she there?" Just and, like calling all these numbers in the phone book. Like, is someone? Is this person there? Which I wonder oh. how that works. If like you have like a really like you're trying to summon the ghost of like Bob Smith, like right? And how six, vague? Six hundred thousand yeah. like dead Bob Smiths show up, <laughs> all just bumping into each other. <laughs> yeah yeah um but i i I did kind of uh i I did really like that that flashback uh sequence so like as as this is this sort of is josh's spirit is being like progressively entrapped here you've got this 
kind of detective story going on in the real world where they're trying to track down who this mysterious woman is Mm -hmm. that they've been seeing uh, as Josh is kind of going through the astral plane the further and trying to find his way out. So (laughs) part of the deal here is like before he's his body's like fully taken over like this spirit is like telling him like you have to kill them all or your body will wither and die yeah which seemed kind of at end at odds with her wanting to take over his body so i was a little bit confused by that um what is going on here (laughs) um you know i'm not sure because part of the other fun aspect of the story that unfolds in this movie is we learn who the woman in black is where she came from is it a woman after all? I mean, I don't I don't know. <laughs> yes, but maybe no, because we learn that maybe that gender was forced upon her yep. by her mother. It's a bit of a fascinating reveal cuz we Yeah. After we recorded uh, the uh, the insidious chapter 1 conversation, we were talking afterwards and we're like thinking about how Josh's body was being possessed by a woman, we were like, oh, is there kind of like a trans reading mm-hmm. of this story? Mm-hmm. And then we saw chapter two. And then we saw chapter two. <laughs> Which it's almost explicit. Wow. <laughs> throughout and this movie. it is such a classic telling of this sort of forced gender upon a character where a parent or guardian wants they wanted a kid that was this gender and not that gender or in this case the uh the the uh, the secondary ghost in this there's the uh it get, she gets referred to ultimately as the mother of death right right uh, she's the mother of this ghost mm-hmm. that's basically doing the possessing mm-hmm. and in life what happens is her husband leaves her and she doesn't want any memory of him around because she hates him so much. So she forces her young son uh, to live as a girl mm-hmm. and she changes her name, mm-hmm. his name. And that also made him kind of violently insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it is a lot like sleepaway camp. Exactly. It's <laughs> Just the sleepaway camp. You'll get yeah. It. It, but as ghosts, as ghosts. Exactly. I mean, as a trans person, I love this, but I also am aware of how fucked up and damaging that kind of shit is. Because this is the idea of conservatives that they have that, like, this is trans identity is being forced, changing your gender and changing your sex is forced on these kids by their parents. Like, yeah. this, this is why they're trans. Versus how I also like to view it is that it's, it could be a lens for cis people to see, like, what it would be like to be trans, of like, you being told that you're this gender that you're not and being forced to live that out. I mean, granted, it is, in this case, and sleepaway camp, they are cisgender people and they're being forced to transition when they don't want to. Yeah. And, and then, you know, that is the, the cause of their, their psychotic, violent behavior. Exactly, yeah. Like, I think that, in, that reading is fascinating where it's yeah. like that, that, that almost conservative caricature that you yeah. call it. Yeah, I like, mean, it's that... It's that exact sort of thing of like, oh, yeah, no, we we are your nightmare. We're we're gonna do exactly what the conservatives sort of think. We're we're gonna be 
you know, sort of like what John Waters does with a lot of stuff of like subverting that of like, yeah. oh yeah, you think we're we're destructive, freakish homos? Like, yep, here you go. Like, uh, Multiple Maniacs is one of my favorite mm-hmm, movies of his, mm-hmm. and it's basically about a vaudeville troupe of queer people doing a genocide against like cis straight, straight people. people. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty fucking wild. Yeah. It's like, we'll, we'll enact like, we'll out be, your fantasies. Yeah, exactly. We'll be exactly the monster you think we are mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. So, like, I, I I found this kind of angle in this story, like, like I don't mind it as much as it might initially read. I think it's mm-hmm. kind of oddly, like, commendable, even if, like, oh, yeah. as a trans commentary, yeah. it may be accidental on yeah, their part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It may even be, like, pretty directly referential to something like sleepaway camp like mm-hmm. kind of oh, yeah. lifting that component and inserting it into this yeah and making it even more convoluted by making it a ghost that's also possessing other people so it's like it's layers and layers and layers yeah this movie is yeah. kind of confusing to it, be honest yeah <laughs> uh, i did like uh the introduction of a new psychic friend uh carl yeah that has to kind of come in in the real world to replace elise Mm -hmm, mm because he's got those uh those lettered dice that he uses to conduct seances where it's like he'll play like boggle with the ghost yeah (laughs) Yeah. he'll ask it a question (laughs) and then drop him on the table and it'll say like no or kill him or something like that (laughs) which is fun yeah i thought it was really fun and something that i really liked about this movie actually is uh that there's more of renee's character in this yeah, yeah. So it gives Rose Byrne a chance to do a lot more. Yes. And she's an excellent actress. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice to see her kind of take the lead in this role as like Patrick Wilson, who's who's no slouch himself as a performer. Yeah, no, no, Like no. he kind of is in this turmoil of this madness that's setting in. So mm-hmm. he's not able, he doesn't carry the story uh, as much as she does, yeah. which is nice. God, I almost don't want to like give too much about this away. One, because I think it's confusing (laughs) yeah make of it what you will (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. uh but (laughs) uh needless to say lynn shay is at the end of the day able to be the hero of the movie Mm -hmm. in the further when uh carl and josh confront the the ghost yeah uh lynn shay beats the ghost to death with a rocking a rocking horse, horse just <laughs> throws it over the head of the I'm like, ghost i'm like the rules of this world are so confusing <laughs> it's a little yeah kind of like you can just beat up a ghost yeah to death again <laughs> yeah that does it that knocked her out yeah it goes to like super further mm-hmm. e- the even mm-hmm. further yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. die in the further even further <sighs> oh boy did um, you see the two ty west connected actors in this no jocelyn donahue plays the young lorraine who's josh's mother jocelyn donahue is in the house of the devil and a bunch of other stuff what's the other one a very adorable jenna ortega at the very end at the very end when specs and tucker tucker thank you go to a house to visit someone and uh, she's the little kid the at the final, door the, the final, final scene yeah scene in the movie that i cannot believe i didn't recognize i her. mean That's she's amazing she's kind of hard to recognize because she is very young she's super i mean she's young. like maybe eight or nine yeah i think that's about and right. 
I think oh, I maybe wild. just saw. I was looking in the IMDb and I saw that she was in there, and I was like, "Oh shit!" But Good I, I just, I, I always, I love Jocelyn Donahue. I think she's so adorable. So yeah. I saw her immediately, and I was like, "Oh hi!" Good catch. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so a couple of a couple of stray thoughts on this. Uh, yeah. So the like you said the the final the final shot is uh, basically uh, Specs Tucker and uh, Elise, but Elise is a spirit. A spirit. Yeah. So it's just Specs and Tucker who mm-hmm. are the paranormal investigators mm-hmm. of this world arriving at a family's home to say they have a message from someone in their family. Yeah. And yeah, it kind of teases that we're gonna get yeah the further adventures of elise specs and tucker yeah it's got a good like little last jump scare yes sort of which i think all of all three of these so far have ended with a pretty decent little jump scare yeah i think the third one has the 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 best best yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah a couple of stray thoughts on this uh i (laughs) oh my god i have a a decent audio setup i've been watching these on blu-ray the sound mixing in these movies is insane. Outrageous. It's <laughs> there. I have to watch it with the subtitles on so I can uh-huh. turn it down just so the dialogue is like barely audible mm-hmm. because the jump scares are so fucking loud. I have a hilarious story to tell you about the third one while watching the third one when we get to that. Okay. But yeah, I agree. The sound mixing in these is just like the dialogue and the whispering scenes. Are so loud. And then yeah. the jump scares and the sound cues are so they're maxed out and it is holy shit it's kind of frustrating it i was getting very frustrated with it because it was constantly up and down up and down adjusting my volume just like what the fuck i couldn't deal with it yeah which is something that i did like about chapter three it it gets away from that a little bit yeah Uh, and they also changed something that was starting to drive me crazy about number two like i like the music Mm -hmm. i love the title cards with like yeah crazy like just manic string playing in here and every jump scare is like scored by the sound of someone like throwing billiard balls into the top of a piano it's like (laughs) it sounds so fucking nuts (laughs) it's hilarious Uh, but it's actually kind of aggravating after like 15 of them yeah absolutely um well how did you like the jump scares in this one it does i don't think it hits the high it doesn't the two high notes of the last movie it's hard to follow the the first one with that incredible jump scare but they they do a pretty decent job they they don't <laughs> make the mistake of the news newsboy jumping yeah. out of the cabinet <laughs> that's that's by far the worst uh scare in this franchise yeah yeah highs and lows in that first movie mm-hmm. But hey, mm-hmm. they did a lot with a million bucks yeah there's a good kind of moment in this where things are kind of ratcheting up and renee's like constantly hearing stuff on the baby monitor and there's this sequence where she is kind of running back down to the music room and like the two like baby walkers oh like yes are in the oh. in frame and they they suddenly fly up mm-hmm. it's like the, they're just these innocuous objects and then they're like suddenly activated and it gave me a jump yeah and then like right after that you get another jump scare and then like one more like oh. it's like just it, it was such good pacing because so many of the times with the scares in these movies like it gives you a moment afterwards, yep. but they like stack it up to like, yeah, kind of because you're like, oh, you're waiting. Your yeah, you're like, I hit that scare. I'm like, okay, now they scared me. I have a moment to catch my breath, and then suddenly it's like, nope, 
Here's yep. another one. And that one's like kind of halfway through this movie. And it mm-hmm. has one of the one of the moments that made me laugh the hardest in it. With Well, there's another one coming up. Uh, but the ghost that pops up like at the third scare in that sequence just slaps the shit out of her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny that a ghost would appear to you and just sort of just like slap you. Kick you in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so as, uh, yeah, so as it kind of progresses from there, you're basically realizing that you're watching this ghost take over, she's taking over more of Patrick Wilson's body. Mm-hmm. And right before the final sequence, there's this really hilarious moment. Actually, there's two really funny moments here in the end. <laughs> um, Carl, the other psychic, comes over with the paranormal investigators waiting outside in the van, and he's got this big syringe of green goo <laughs> that he's going to in- try to inject into Josh to knock him out so they can exercise the ghost or whatever. And the <laughs> the way the movie tells us in this scene where they both sit down at the table, the way they tell us that Josh is like fully gone and he's fully taken over by this female ghost is that he sits in a really femmy way. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. And he's got like his like legs crossed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, almost a little coquettish. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. Uh. I don't know. I I did kind of love it because like when I saw that, I was like, like he's even got like kind of like a pale makeup thing on, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's it's getting really campy. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. pretty pretty intentionally. I mean, yeah. the campiest thing that James Wan has ever made is probably Dead Silence. <laughs> And like you, you see a little bit of that coming out, coming out here for sure. Yeah. Before we move on, er, the other thing that made me laugh so fucking hard in this movie. This is like the funniest moment. It's like there's like a chase that's set off with the possessed Josh and like Renee and like the two kids. And there's a moment where they're like, they're like, she's like scrambling to get them like locked down in the basement. And before they can get there, they have this fight scene in the kitchen. And she hits him in the head with like a pot and then runs across the room and <laughs> Josh picks up a tea kettle and like whips it at the back of her head and it just <laughs> knocks her fucking flat. It's so funny. It's so great. Oh my god. Actually, Malignant might be the campiest thing he's ever done. Yeah. 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 I also thought uh, that this movie would be, uh, they should move into like a one bedroom apartment. There's so many fucking rooms in that house. I kept asking. I was so confused about who like was Winchester home at the time house. and where the rooms were that they were in and why none of nobody could hear each other. Because yeah. Rose uh, Renee would be screaming about something in one room and Josh and Lorraine would be downstairs in one of the other rooms and not hear her until there was like furniture being, you know, thumped onto the floor. Yeah. Too, too, too much space too many rooms yeah i mean it would be also easier to keep an eye on everybody if like i mean if the ghost shows up it's just going to be like oh it's like over there it's either over there or over there yeah it's in one of the other rooms (laughs) yeah one of the two the bathroom or the bedroom or the bedroom (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so this movie ends with uh josh and his son dalton opting in to have their memories erased again by uh carl yeah yeah not bad yeah not bad a little bit long a little long, a little too long. Any final thoughts on this before we move on to our next, we turn the page on the next chapter? Uh, 
No, we we love our trans villains. <laughs> we do, we do. We appreciate a trans icon villain. Yeah. All right. Let's roll the trailer for Insidious Chapter Three. I wish you could answer me, Mom. Mr. Atkins said he'd fail me if I was even a minute late again. My mom died a year and a half ago. It's like sometimes I can feel her around me. Mom? You have to be very careful. If you call out to one of the dead, all of them can hear you. Chapter three. I, I gotta say, I kind of love this franchise. It's a bit of a mess. Me too. It's a lot of fun though. I love it. I, yeah, they're very effective. The jump scares, of course, are like kind of the, the big draw of these things. Mm -hmm. And I even still, I mean, and they work. Like I even find myself like, "Eh, I don't know. It's like something's going to pop up and I'm going to like, spill my beer mm-hmm. <laughs> all over myself, <laughs> throw my popcorn out the window. Yeah. Well, I had a great time watching this because I what I have been doing sometimes when I watch a movie on my laptop is, well, I'll hook it up to the TV so it's bigger, and then I will connect my Bluetooth speaker to my laptop, and I'll bring my Bluetooth speaker oh. closer to me. Oh, smart. Because I can't fucking hear a lot of these quiet dialogue scenes. And so for this movie, (laughs) I was holding my Bluetooth speaker, which is about the size of like a Rainier tall can. I was holding it like underneath my neck horizontally on its side. And every jump scare, I would toss it in the air because I was so scared. (laughs) And I was just like, ah, 
<laughs> it was so much fucking fun. I was having a blast. I would like jump really big, l- let out a, ah! and then I would just laugh hysterically <laughs> because it was just like, oh my God, it got me. I, I will say like, uh, I don't know if this is, and we're going to rank these at the end. This might be the best made of the three. Mm-hmm. So a couple of quick facts at the top here. This is the first and only Insidious film direct by Lee, directed by Lee Winnell. It's his directorial debut. I did not realize that. It makes sense because he would go on after this to make two incredible films, yeah. which are Upgrade and The Invisible Man. Just two I, fucking bangers. I didn't know he did Upgrade. Oh, I knew he did Invis- so The Invisible Man. Good. I, I love that movie. Oh, I, love I love both of them oh. so much. Um. So this is also the second highest rated, uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes, in the franchise with, an unf- I think, a little an unfair 57%. So yeah. it, it's got the green splat. It's not quite as, it doesn't quite get to the level of the first Insidious, which is the highest rated one. Uh, the budget for this one doubles again. So, well, and then some. So it's $11 million, and this made 113 at the box office. So yeah. it's a hit. Yeah. There's a reason they keep making these things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh this time around where this one takes place uh as we see at the beginning a few years before the Lambert haunting which when I saw that I was like, well, which one? Yeah. The 80s one or the 2013 yeah. one? <laughs> uh it's a 2013 one. Yes. And we are now following a new family uh single father whose wife has passed away. Uh, his daughter, Quinn, who's the star of the film, in the opening scene, she goes to meet Elise at her home and try to contact their mother, her, well, her brother's mother. By this time, Elise has sworn off doing any spiritual work. I don't know exactly what you'd call her. I, I, just a medium, I guess. I, medium. There I, we go. Yeah, she, that makes sense. Uh, she's out of the game. She, her husband has just died by suicide. So, you know, she's in a bad spot immediately because she enters the door in a robe (laughs) (laughs) and it's kind of dark in the house. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Quinn uh, convinces her to try to contact her mother briefly. She's unable to. And we realize that Elise has been in danger doing this job, doing her job as a medium her entire life because there's a woman in black that tries to strangle her to death every time she goes to the further. And she's like, if I keep doing this job, she'll eventually kill me. She's right. Yes. And it's going to happen a few years after this mm-hmm. <laughs> at the Lambert haunting. But this is, this story ultimately becomes about, this is the one where at least where Lin Shay Becomes the star of this franchise. Yeah. It's about her return. Ultimately, the story is about her returning to this job and kind of assembling the team that we mm-hmm. ultimately see in chapter one. Yeah. I liked on that special, special that we watched. Mm-hmm. On that special that we watched, mm-hmm. Lee Winnell was talking about he was inspired by sort of the Westerns with the retired gunslingers coming out of retirement. Yeah. I loved that analogy Lin that Shea he makes. That. Yeah. And Lynn Shea, like, I think it's pretty clear that she's having a 
fucking great time. She loves it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and something that the both of them do so well, like if you don't know, like Lee Winnell and James Wan met at film school. They were both studying to become directors. They made Saw together, which, you know, set their careers on this trajectory. Um, something that they're really, they get really good at is using... A very, having a very personable cast and like leaning into those strengths. Yeah. Like the Conjuring movies, like those are really carried by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Oh yeah. Like they're, oh, yeah. they're both fantastic. And like Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne in these movies are both great. And mm-hmm. Lynn Shay is definitely like the all-star. Yeah. Here. Oh yeah. She's so enjoyable to watch. She's having an awesome time. <laughs> and that, that's up on the screen. Like you can feel it. Like, yeah, you're yeah. having a great time while you're making this. I'm having a great time. So, I guess kind of getting into to what happens here. Uh, Quinn had been trying to contact uh, her mother on her own. We learn in this opening scene. And she's also studying to become an actress. She's uh, in high school. She's like 17. Mm-hmm. Right after she meets Elise, she goes to her big audition for her, for, for her acting school, where we get a fun little cameo from James Wan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she thinks she's botched it afterwards. She meets uh, her friend to, like, get a street dog or whatever, played by Haley Kiyoko. And they're sitting there chatting. And as they get up off the curb to walk away, Quinn sees down the street a mysterious figure I think we learn later is the man who can't breathe, as they call him. Mm-hmm. And as she's looking at this figure, she gets fucking creamed by a car. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally blown away. Oh, my God. The most unexpected jump scare. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. She gets slammed. I, like, audibly made noises. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was such a great effect. That was like, the first instance that I threw my Bluetooth speaker <laughs> in the air. <laughs> I, I, that effect, and we, we watched the making of, there's a making of featurette on the Blu-ray of just that sequence. Yeah. And they put so much into it because like when you, when you see it in the movie, like you don't cut away. Like I feel like a lot of times, especially in, and this movie's not cheap. It's $11 million. That's yeah. not nothing. Like you got to do a lot of kind of editing to kind of make mm-hmm. it work together, but it's all in one kind of blended take that you watch her get creamed by this car and just sort of laid out mm-hmm. on the pavement. It looks fucking oh, awesome. It looks awesome. I rewound it and watched it again. Yeah. I know that sounds kind of sick. <laughs> like, no, show me this car accident again. I mean, the stunt is so great, and it's that actress performing it mm-hmm. with a little harness on her belt and being yanked. And then it's just, it was really cool to see them line up the shot of her standing there and being yanked, and then with the dummy that they make and the dummy being impacted by the car. And then even just how it's laid out on the ground, like the detail that they go into of like the shot of the dummy being hit and how the dummy lands with their legs and arms. They're like, okay, move your arm like this, move it like that. So they can put her in that position. And then that seamless, like it's, it's like a seamless, like take you, you watch the car hit her, you watch her hit the pavement. Camera comes up to her, like as she's lying on the ground Haley Kiyoko's character like comes into frame and you know screams panicking. Help. Yeah, like, like it's it's a really fucking well directed sequence, and yeah. it really speaks to something that I think Lee Winnell is good at. That mm-hmm. I don't like. I think James Wan has like different interests 
Like he's yeah. great at mechanically constructing, like building tension mm-hmm. and then like releasing it with those scares that are so iconic to yeah. his work. But there's something about like the technique of Lee Winnell that he wants to surprise you with like images that you don't think can exist. Like his camera work and upgrade is really kinetic and fun. Like the way it sort of moves with the body of yeah. uh, the lead actor. Mm-hmm. And there are so many awesome visuals that are just, I mean, even shocking in the invisible man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he's, he's so good at just kind of, unexpectedly like surprising you with something yeah like this. yeah there are so many really good jump scares in this that have misdirection in them of the i mean hmm. the classic knocking on the wall scene which we've brought up before how like i think we saw it all last the ghosts in the Pope's know, Exorcist. yeah all the ghosts know the two <laughs> bits <laughs> shave and haircut, haircut two, two bits, bits. yeah <laughs> and uh so that happens and then but there's really great tension building in that because when she discovers that the person that she thought was on the other side of the wall knocking back to her isn't home, she knocks again and it's you're waiting and it's this dynamic of if I hear the knock again, that's fucked. But also if I don't hear it, that's fucked because I just heard it and no one's there. Yeah. And so she's waiting and then they draw it out, waiting, waiting, and then she kind of turns the light out and is like, okay, I guess I'll go to bed. And then this, like, thing reaches out from above, and it's like, exactly. you're not there- expecting, you're expecting a noise or something, and then you see this visual of physical contact. Yeah, I thought those were great. I yeah. mean, even with the, like, the direction in some of those scares, and we'll continue talking about the plot here in a moment, yeah, yeah. like, where, where you're focused in one direction and... Of course, that's the simplest thing to do, but it's hard to do well. And something comes from out of frame from a place you didn't expect or a place that's almost impossible for yeah. uh, something to come from. Yeah. Uh, so uh, needless to say, Quinn suffers a lot of physical trauma from being hit so hard by <laughs> yeah. a car. So wait, she gets she hit survives. by the car and she's got her full right leg in a cast all the way up to her foot. And I believe her left leg is in a cast up to her ankle. So she has one foot that she's able to move around. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, she just continues to suffer so much bodily trauma. (laughs) Yeah. Throughout the movie, she ends up in a, in a neck brace later in the film too. It's like she gets thrown to the floor. So she gets the shit kicked out of her. Absolutely. Even her dad was being a little reckless with. Oh, the way he like, he has to pick her up off the floor and he kind of like dumps her into her Just wheelchair. Tosses her back into the chair. Yeah. Uh, so after she's, uh, she's let out of the hospital, she's, uh, she's being brought back to her room by her dad. And we get kind of th- like in, in all three of these movies, there's a moment where an item is introduced that you uh-huh. that, you know, like a ghost is going to fuck with it later. Like, yep. like in the last one, we got the, like the, 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 string tied between two empty cans yes thing where it's like the brothers so the brothers can talk to each other while they're in a in bed from across the room mm-hmm. and of course like a ghost talks through it there's a yeah <laughs> yeah there's actually a really i thought that scare was really good in oh, part yeah. two where he first hears the voice i'm like there it is i've been waiting for this uh-huh, the whole movie uh-huh. and then you see the string just goes into the closet and it gets pulled tight yeah. and it like raises up i'm uh-huh. like yeah that's like, good that's ugh. the good shit uh so in this scene instead of a uh a tin can telephone we get a uh, bell introduced mm-hmm. she's like my dad says i can ring this if i ever need anything i'm like okay that's yep the ghost is we gave my mom one of those 
uh, a couple years ago when my, oh, my mom right. fell and broke her hip and I went to go stay with my parents to help take care of her. And we gave her one of those bells to ring if she needed anything. We also had baby monitors set up. Spooky. <laughs> there was some spooky stuff happening, but nothing spooky happened. Uh, and also in this scene is, I laughed so fucking hard in this moment. It may be the funniest thing in this movie to me because, uh, so Dermot Mulroney plays her father, Sean. Um, he's getting her set up in bed and he's like going through this gift basket. And I love when I notice product placement in movies. Oh yeah. So <laughs> there's a shot where he's like pulling stuff out of it and he, you get this like reverse cut to him and he's holding up like label facing to the camera, this, this bag of Jack Link's, uh, what's the word of jerky beef jerky, beef, beef yeah. jerky. and he's like look at this doesn't this look delicious to you <laughs> i've got snacks <laughs> it's so yeah. funny well it was after the scene where we're watching her text her friend or I her think neighbor i think it's right before that oh okay yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. oh you're right because i did write setting, that yeah no, no you're right he's yeah. setting her up at home and then yeah we see her flip out her t-mobile sidekick i think it is yeah so, something like that yeah it's one of those rotating screen t-mobile yeah. things we get a long sequence of seeing how the texting interface works while the t-mobile logo is like yeah. top to bottom across the screen yeah. it's so funny <laughs> and that's kind of the moment where i mean you, you kind of know how these movies go spirit's gonna be you know she's tried to contact the dead uh there's some progressive entrapment beginning and a ghost that we become, we learn is called the man who can't breathe is the one trying to take over her body and yeah. return to the living. I believe he's someone that used to live in that building, they say, the apartment building that they live in. Yeah. So they live in they live in this building where uh, the apartment just above them is empty. Mm-hmm. So you know something's up when you hear a bunch of footsteps. Yeah. And shit starts to get weird. Yeah, it's yeah, that progressive progression of the active the paranormal activity escalating to more more violent uh a more violent level. Cuz that scene where she's video chatting with her friend, I can't remember what what the character's name is, but I, I Haley can't either. Kyoko. Yeah. And you know, suddenly Haley Kyoko on the other end asks Quinn like oh I didn't know Alex was there and Quinn's like no one's here I'm in bed by myself and then the computer freezes she's like who's that standing right he's standing right next to you oh yeah that's yeah Yeah. that's right and yeah and then there's a pretty fun little scare of a figure appearing behind another veil but I love what lots of lacy veils throughout this franchise I love what they do with that though because like a lot of scares like that you get like just the glimpse of it and then you look away and then it's gone but there's sort of this moment where it's moving towards her through the the curtain and it's like lifting and then it just sort of drops out of sight that was great i loved that sequence that room creepy sequence because the you get the introduction of the gross like oily feet yeah they just the footprints down on the floor and and then even the closing of the laptop on the on the ground Oh right, on the floor. right. And it's the like last, uh, last source of light in the room at that right. point. Because there's that's that's we get that scare after that call where uh, she gets thrown onto the floor, and then you watch him like close the drapes. Yes, yeah. And then there's light coming from the hall, and you watch him close the door. It's mm-hmm. just getting darker and darker and darker. Yeah. And then he closes 
the laptop. And that's right when her dad comes home and she mm-hmm. starts screaming. Yeah. That was one of the, like, that moment at least was like, uh, it was a little bit more eerie than you usually get from this franchise. Yeah. Because, like, it's, like, something else about it is in chapter three, like, the music is less present. They don't do the billiard balls on the piano stuff anymore. And there's a lot of moments of just, like, no musical track at all. Like, mm-hmm. like almost silence, which was, like, honestly, such a welcome change yeah, for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think, like I said earlier, I think this is the best, kind of the best made of the three. Like, no I disrespect so to James Wan, but this, no. like, felt like a much more polished mm-hmm. film. And the plot is less messy it kind of connects the dots as it goes it's not kind of leaving you hanging out to dry you're not like guessing too much yeah um so kind of as this goes we like we said earlier we're witnessing uh elise lynn shay's character sort of come back to her old job so she agrees to help them and at first she rejects uh she gives up she immediately gives up right yeah because she goes over to the other side the first, the further the first time, and the woman in black is there and starts uh, choking her uh, for the first of two or three times that happens. Yeah, <laughs> which this is also a moment where there's sort of a. I was confused about the rules. Yeah, they're <laughs> because really they're confusing. they're just sort of like wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, Elise, and then she wakes up and then she's fine. And I was sort of like, but wait, didn't she? Doesn't she have that. to come back to her body? From at where she's projected herself? Yeah, yeah. That's something that you get a lot of in two, where, and a little bit at the end of this one, that's mm-hmm. kind of how it's solved, where like people have to get led back in the further to where their body is in real life. And you yeah. like sit down in the chair and you're like two forms merge or whatever yeah. the hell. Um, I mean, I don't mind it being a little I don't slippery. Care. No, no, no. <laughs> I just, I noticed that. I was just sort of like, oh. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and this does uh, something that I was kind of confused about in two. I was like, when are they going to go into the further? Like, I, they haven't mentioned it at all. Yeah, they never. I don't think they even call it that a single time. Uh, yeah, uh, but this one, it's like it's like right up front. Like Lin Shay explains it like almost immediately. Yeah, to kind of set up the rules here. See the moment where she names it because Lee Wanell. That's right. Where she comes up with it is saying. Um, because she's explaining, like, we're going to go into this other dimension. And he's like, oh, what do you call this realm? And she was like, let's call it the further. <laughs> It'd be funny if she has a moment where she, like, has one bad idea first. Yeah. I call it bad, spooky, no-no place. Yeah. It's like, like, okay, that's huh? a little bit too much. No, 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 no. <laughs> Scratch that. Yeah. Reverse it. Oh, God. Are you? No. Yeah. Please do not wonka at me. <laughs> Ugh. No, I just sorry I derailed that a little bit. No, I uh, think the new Wonka movie looks so oh, it looks stupid. so bad. It looks so awful. Um, so, I want my Wonka to be flaming. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not just a dandy. Not just a dandy. I want a homosexual flaming. <laughs> my homosexuals flaming. <laughs> so, I mean, basically how this plays out is it's uh it's a series of just trips to the further you get spooky images every time you go yeah you get when uh when elise is not willing to help them the younger brother finds these two paranormal investigators who Mm -hmm. are specs and tucker who we already know finds them online uh they they come to help out 
uh, they record some spooky shit with their night vision cameras, and they kind of reveal that they're just a couple of phonies. Yeah, they're just going. They're dudes that know how to work some cameras and stuff, and kind of go out and record stuff. Yeah, and then they end up when when Elise decides to come back, and she's like, "No, I have a moral duty to use this gift that I have to help people." While I'm while I'm still alive, whether or not it endangers me, and everyone teams up. So this is where you you kind of see them forming the the ghost busting trio <laughs> that we see in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I don't even really want to get into it, it, too much else of this. Like, I would say just, I mean, really watch it. Like. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really fun. It's like you said, it's a much more straightforward story of what's going on, and they do a nice job of tying it into what will then be Elise, Specs, and Tucker venturing to help the I've forgotten their names already. The the, the original Lambert. Lambert I said Palmer for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really fun. It's there's some great scares. I mean. You were talking about the the bell that Quinn gets when she's being when she is brought home from the hospital and how that object and there's another there's another object I forgot to write it down but there's in the very first sequence where Quinn goes to see Elise there's this the way they frame the shot of Quinn the way Elise is looking at her is Quinn is to the left and there's a jukebox just to the back in the right and I kept seeing it, and I'm just like, is that going to go off? Is that yeah. going to go off? Because I think Quinn also mentions in that point something about like music, or they used to sing a song together, her and her mom. So I just kept expecting that thing to go off. Right. And then it doesn't, which is kind of fun, because I felt like it was a little a misdirect there of like yeah. building that tension and then oh, oh. really quite letting it release. So speaking of music, there's a Cherry Glazer Glazer. It's Glazer. Does a cover of Tiptoe Through the Tulips. <laughs> Did I, you listen to it? No, I didn't. For this, They made it for this movie. Yeah. I think it must have just been for the trailer because I didn't fucking see it in the I didn't either. I, I, I totally forgot about it until just now. I, I honestly, I, I didn't make it all the way through the song. It, it was not that interesting to me. I can't imagine the necessity of covering that at all because it's I, so tied to the ukulele Tiny Tim thing. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it's a waste of time. Just use that song. Right, just use that song again. Just like all those scary TikTokers figured out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so... Yeah, definitely check this out. Yeah. How would you rank these? Um, I'd probably go 3-1-2. I think I would, too. I actually thought this was a little bit better than the first one, even if the first one still has the two best scares yeah. in the franchise yeah. so far. There's just... This one has a bigger budget. It's got the color balance figured out. <laughs> yes, it's, <laughs> it's even more, more saturated than through, than two. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just, I mean, I love Lynn Shea, so it's fun to see her in that. Absolutely. That sort of Agreed starring role. 100%. I did sort of look up the order of the timeline of these movies, and it's three, four, one, two, five. Oh, wow. They really mixed it up. Yeah. Um, my only final thought on this would be the last shot I thought was very endearingly cheesy. Oh, absolutely. It's the shot where they're standing outside in their like 
uh, the the ghost hunting people are loading their equipment up. They're standing at the back of the van with Lynn Shay, and they're like. She's like basically asking if they need a new mom. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like works together. And <laughs> you then, boys. Yeah. And then they do, she like holds her arms up. She's like, walk me to my car. And then it's like a total, like, this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Exactly. Moment. And oh, then it's they walk down. Shot. It's the exact like, same it's shot. It's exact same shot almost. Crane shot where crane the, shot up as they go down the middle of the street. Walking away. Yeah. 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 It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. It's corny, but in a sweet way. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I would also rank them 312. And. Next week, okay, so this is the part where we talk about next week's film. It's definitely going to be Insidious, The Last Key. Mm-hmm. We, sh- we may, we'll, we'll have to talk about whether we're going to do five at the same time. Yeah, because it's it still in, in theaters? theaters. Okay, yeah, cool. Uh, I'll figure out the timing for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we can get both in, we'll do both. Mm-hmm. If not, we might pair something else with Insidious 4. Yeah. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, I just had one personal story that I wanted to talk about that sure. has to do with the further that I only just realized last night while I was watching chapter three. Uh, a few years ago, I had an experience with taking my testosterone shot. I've been at this point, I've been on testosterone for about almost six years. It'll be six years in September. And I want to say three or four years ago, I think it was three years ago, doesn't matter. I had an experience where I was doing my shot, I rushed it, I probably had had a couple of beers in me, I maybe even was a little stoned, I don't think I had eaten. I was standing up, it's a perfect storm. I used to do it standing up, I don't do this anymore, for this reason. So I do my shot, and I end up passing out. And I had the wherewithal to say out loud after I had plunged it into my stomach, not the stomach, my, my belly fat, really, really fast. I started to tunnel vision. I put my hands on the marble or stone, I don't think they're marble, stone countertops of the kitchen. And I said out loud to my roommate and my best buddy, Justin, who was in the kitchen at the time, I said, I don't feel so good. And then I don't remember much after that. He happened to be right behind me taking a piece of pizza off of the tray that he had just heated in the oven. And he caught me falling backwards. And I ended up waking up a few minutes, a few moments later. But I had this experience when I passed out where it was completely black like you would see in Insidious in the, the further, where it was completely dark. And I was a few feet away from a table. And on the other end of the table was my grandmother. And above the table was a little light, just sort of like a, I don't know, just a kitchen light or whatever. And I walked up to the table, and all she said to me was, not yet. Oh, spooky. And then I woke up. And the first thing I thought of when I woke up was, oh my God, how rude of me. I fell asleep while Justin was talking to me. <laughs> That's great. That's definitely the lesson you should learn from that experience. Yeah. No, it was wild. It, um, you yeah. transitioned to the other side. I guess so. The further. I like, was in there and she was like, uh-uh-uh. No, no, no. Turn around. Go back. 
That's spooky. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. I don't have a story that I could tell after that. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> so I am going to shill for the show right now. So <laughs> thank you for listening to The Screaming Room, the only horror movie podcast. Uh, if you like this, give us five stars on iTunes, please. It helps us get found. And if you don't like us, fuck off. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can follow us on Twitter. I will not be referring to it by its new name <laughs> uh you can follow us there at the room cast and if you want to email us your comments or suggestions uh please do so we are screaming room pod at gmail.com and until next week bye keep screaming I bite at the hand that feeds me Slap at the face that eats me Some kind of animal cannibal Animal? Cannibal?